Hello and welcome to Build Momentum, where we make PR easy for education organizations. This show was created to help edtech startups, research institutes, and schools learn how to develop simple, replicable PR strategies and how to execute on those strategies. I'm your host, Sarah Williamson, and I've spent the past 15 years working in PR where I've been able to understand what works and what does it when it comes to making an impact. I will share my tips for success and interview others who have done the same to provide you with a framework that you can use within your own organization. Be sure to grab my free guide, How to Create a Killer Case Study, even if you don't have data, at casestudy.swpr-group.com. That's casestudy.swpr-group.com. Okay, and on today's episode, we have Sean Slade, global education leader, speaker, author, and policymaker with over 25 years of experience spanning five countries and four continents. He is the U.S. Head of Education at BTS Spark, a global education nonprofit focused on developing the next generation of education leaders. He is also a co-founding member for the UNESCO Chair on Global Health and Education, a member of the OECD's Future of Education 2030, and he's also an NBC Today show, Social and Emotional Learning Expert. Welcome, Sean. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here again. Yes, absolutely. So, Sean, in your impressive bio, I didn't even mention that you're the former senior director of Whole Child and Global Outreach at ASCD, where you focused on promoting and expanding ASCD Whole Child approach across the U.S. and globally, which is also an impressive role. So I'd love to learn, first of all, more about your new role at BTS Spark and what led you there. And just start there, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, no, no, certainly. Yeah. And yeah, no, I recently moved from ASCD where I was directing the mission and the whole child work at ASCD. And I've been there for over a decade. And a lot of the work that I'm doing now with BTS Spark aligns back to that and my belief, but it's really taking more of a, a whole educator or a whole leader approach. So BTS Spark is the nonprofit arm of the larger BTS company. And both are focused on developing leadership skills and leadership development. But BTS Spark is really focused on the education sector and primarily principals, superintendents, but also experienced educators. The focus of what we do is educational leadership development and developing the same skills that we actually want to see in our kids. And so things around collaboration, problem solving, empathy, decision-making. You know, it's weird sometimes how in education we might be sort of trying to infuse certain concepts or skills or attributes in our students, but we often miss out on making sure that our teachers and our educators are not only role-modeling the same thing, but also are experiencing the same thing. Yeah. So it's really, yeah, for me, it's a move along that same line of progressive education a more learner-centered education, and a progression towards making schools have more agency and decision-making in their own right. Mm-hmm. Now, I love that you're focusing on the leadership for those educators. One of the things we talk about a lot on the show is thought leadership and helping to build the profiles of those thought leaders. But I think it's pretty fascinating that we often don't talk about how to create the leadership skills for our educators. And people who are running our school districts, even though we talk about the kids and we want them to have that experience, but we really don't focus on teachers and educators. So I think that's amazing that you're focused in that that area. And I think that's important work you're doing. So thank you. 
Well, it's one interesting part of it is what we do have in education is we do have instructional leaders. Mm-hmm. And so we have people who are mentors or principals or former principals going into classroom and giving some instruction on how the pedagogy is. Mm-hmm. What we are doing is a little bit different. So we're really focused on not on the pedagogical side, but we're focused on the leadership development side. And as you say, these things don't exist widely in education. It's almost you're promoted up because of experience and then you're promoted up into roles which may be very different than what you've been doing previously. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm curious, when some of these leaders come to you, what are the big challenges they share and some of the challenges they face and where they're asking you for support? Yeah, well, you won't surprised to hear that after the last 12 months, the biggest issue is around well-being. Mm-hmm. Now, we hear a lot about the well-being and the mental health of kids and students, but the mental health and well-being of teachers and also principals or superintendents or other administrators. It's funny in education that you, the higher up you get in the hierarchy, you tend to get fewer colleagues and peers and support networks. And so even last year during COVID, we were talking to a lot of school leaders who really had no one else to turn to. They were seen as being top of the pyramid and people were coming to them for advice and decisions. Often when there were no correct decisions to be made, there was only, you know, what decision will do the least harm. And so there's a lot of stress and there's a lot of pressure out there. So well-being has been a big driver of our work over the last probably nine months or so. Mm-hmm. We have been doing work with Surrey schools up in British Columbia around wellbeing, and that expanded to some work with Education Canada. So we're offering a wellbeing programs and coaching via EdCan up there. And, you know, even if you look at some of the recent articles that have come out in EdWeek or in ASCDs, educational leadership, a lot of them are focusing on the mental health and the stress that principals Um, There was some report, I think, a couple of weeks ago from the Association that was talking about 42% of principals are looking at leaving the profession this year, and typically it's about 18% any annual year. Wow. And there's a lot of stress out there. Yeah, there is. It's funny that you said a pyramid. I was just talking to some of my colleagues about this, how we kind of forget how lonely it can be at the top. Literally, it's that one person at the top of the pyramid Looking down, they can see both sides. The air's thin up there, and there's so much pressure. Well, we were even talking to people during the last couple of months, basically starting new role principles in a new district when COVID hit and schools got shut down. And so there they are. They don't even have peer groups or relationships that they've established in that district, and all of a sudden they're put into this leadership role. And at the same time, We did not do a good job as a country of making decisions and then having those decisions flow down, whether it's from the federal government or the state government or anything else. And we left a lot of those decisions around what to do, whether to open, when to close, whether to be hybrid, what services to put in. We left those decisions predominantly to the districts and often to the individual school leaders as well. And that's a lot of pressure. So much pressure. I know. Okay, well, clearly there's job security for you (laughs) for the next several years. So now that we know there's a big problem, how are you helping and what kind of support are you providing? How are you helping them to hone the skills so that they can address some of these challenges? Yeah, so much of it is having them understand what they're in control of, who they can turn to, 
but also some of those skills and mindsets around things to do with resilience or perseverance or leading in times of uncertainty. So we have at our, the base of our work, we have four key areas, which is the be, relate, inspire, and think. And then inside those four key areas, we have uh, what we call hexagons. There are three of them. Or you could think of them as mindsets, each of which sort of target a different aspect of leadership. You know, some might be around difficult conversations with others. Some might be around decision-making might be around, like I was saying, to do with empathy and personal resilience and focusing more on well-being. And so what we end up doing is we either take individuals through coaching sessions or we take small groups, typically, and these could be groups of four to six um, people through coaching sessions. And these coaching sessions would span over, you know, several months. But it allows them to, one, get someone to refer back to and also to understand what their reactions are or what their mindsets are and then how they can react when these things, when more uncertainty you know, comes their way. Because unfortunately, we're living in a world now where things are getting a little bit more volatile and ambiguous and uncertain, the old boot word. And we're going to need school leaders who are able to deal with uncertainty and also who are able to make decisions when it may not be a pandemic the next time, but there's certainly going to be times when they're required to make decisions, to resolve situations, and really to try and get the climate and the culture of their school or their district working more effectively and efficiently. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost like just building all those social emotional skills that we're requiring for students into those educators as well. Yeah, it is. And so it's one thing, yeah. like I was mentioning before, it's really, from my point of view, I think we did a pretty good job at ASCD at sort of pushing the whole child approach, which I still believe in 100%. Mm-hmm. And I really see this as now taking the next step, what's been stopping or what could really be a springboard to take a more learner-centered approach. And I think it's the leaders. And so this is really looking at making a whole educator approach to education. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's great. So a lot of our listeners are leaders of some kind. So I'm curious what advice you would have for them to apply some of the skills that you're teaching these educators. And some of them are CEOs. Some of them run ed tech companies. How can they apply some of these learnings that you're teaching within their own organization? Are you an education leader, the leader of an ed tech company, or a member of an organization supporting education? We continue to hear from leaders like you who have a story to tell, a message to share, or an important initiative that needs greater awareness. Three years ago, that's exactly what we heard from Doug Roberts, the CEO of the Institute for Education Innovation, when he approached SWPR Group. This led to the launch of a groundbreaking new award that was unlike any other in ed tech. The Soup's Choice Awards, judged exclusively by K-12 superintendents, set IEI on a path to market dominance, increasing vendor partners and superintendent members by more than 30% year over year. Jamie Candy, the CEO of Edmentum, shared with SWPR Group the edtech company's desire to tell district success stories and to elevate the leaders behind their organization in a more thoughtful and strategic way. Throughout the past two years, SWPR Group has established consistent and regular media coverage, 
authored compelling op-eds, and secured interviews highlighting success stories while also inserting in momentum into timely topics like AI with national reporters. At SWPR Group, we provide public relations, communication strategies, and thought leadership support for today's change makers and the brands they champion. We work together with our clients to bring their mission to life by consistently delivering high quality content, creative communication strategies, and transformational results. What story do you want to tell? Reach out to us using the link in the show notes or visit our website at swpr-group.com. A lot of what we do comes back initially to mindsets. And so the way that you think about something or the way that you look at a problem or you look at an issue, And so it's changing people's mindsets about what they can and what they can't do. I think it was Brene Brown who said, you know, who you are is how you lead. And I think we're coming to a realization at the moment, and this is not we as in BTS Spark, but I think we as in education in general, is to be the most effective leader, you need to bring your personal self into it. And it's not Effective leaders are not the ones who leave their personal side outside the school gate and they're only working by numbers and paragraphs inside. Leadership and education especially is a human endeavor. And the best leaders are the ones that can make it personal, make it relevant, provide meaning, be human, basically. You know, the best teaching, we've said this for many years now, the best teachers in the classrooms are the ones that develop relationships with their students. They understand who the students are. They understand what context they come from. They understand where they are educationally and what's going to pique their interest or what help they need. So the best teachers in our schools are the ones that make education human. We believe that the best leaders in schools are the ones that make education human and make leadership human. And so what we're trying to do really is apply some practical skills, but also allow the leaders to understand that who they are is important in how they lead. And you shouldn't divorce one from the other. And if you do it, it makes the task a lot harder. Yeah. I think that is also something we talk a lot about on the show as well as being human. It's so easy to forget that as leaders when we're running big companies, but having empathy for what people are going through and really trying to put yourself in their perspective, in their shoes. And if we lead that way, I'm talking to myself here too. I mean, it's so important to try to remember that every day. Everyone has their own issues going on. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you bring all of your issues and Right. There's obviously there's a continuum here of uh, too much or far too little, but you shouldn't also, I think we've talked about fallacy of leadership in education where we've said for a number of decades now, we have to be more business-like. We have to act more like the corporations. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, we've been assuming that that means that everything is driven by data and there is no room for emotion and there's no room for individual personality. The curious thing is that our parent company, BTS, works with the Fortune 500 companies and the big organizations. They're wanting their leaders to be more empathetic. They're wanting them to bring their own personalities. They're wanting their companies that they're bidding to be more human. We have a human industry. 
in education. And so this fallacy of leadership that we think, you know, being more of a business leader being means being more cold and distant. No, it actually means the opposite. And so hopefully we can start to convince educators and education leaders that they need to take a little bit more time and care for themselves. Unfortunately, in education, we tend to give away everything that we get. And so if a teacher gets, you know, gift or money from the parents, they use it on the kids. And if a principal gets some extra funding, he or she uses it on the teachers. And if the superintendent gets something extra, they're going to give it back to the district. Now, all of that is wonderful and it's part of sort of the education ethos. But there also comes a time when we need to be more realistic and understand in order for our districts and our schools and our system to be effective and functional, we need to spend time in our leadership because the cultures and the climates of our school are impacted by those leaders. Yeah. So question for you, you mentioned data. I'm curious, what do you say to those leaders that are really heavily focused on data and demonstrating results in that way? And is there a balance between the two? Yeah. Being pro-leadership development or pro-empathy does not mean that you're anti-data. You know, mm-hmm. it can be vice versa as well. So even I'm making a bit of a stereotype when I talked about you know, the leader that focuses only on data. The two things are not incompatible. And I think if you can, one, be a leader who understands the, the human side of leadership, the social development of that, and you also understand what the outcomes are and you have metrics to prove that, then that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what you should be aiming for. It's when we swing too much in one direction, and I think it's when we swing too much, especially in the numbers-only direction. I think we lose a lot of what education is about. Yeah, I agree with you. Okay, so back to the social-emotional comments we were talking about. So I know that you have obviously vast experience and you're an expert for the Today Show, which is incredible. How do you anticipate we're going to see a shift in how we approach education and leadership when it comes to SEL moving forward? I'm optimistic. You know, maybe I'm foolishly optimistic, but I think what we've gone through over the last year has changed a lot of people's perceptions about taking care of themselves and about social emotional learning. Like what's been amazing is the amount of attention and money that's come out from government, but also state governments recently around social emotional learning, around mental health, mainly for kids. But it's great to see that this attention is there. I think we're also coming to a realization, and I think it will hit home this year when we get teachers going back into physical classrooms or perhaps retiring and deciding, no, I'm not going to do that. I think we're going to understand and realize how important attention is for the social emotional development of teachers and leaders as well. You know, it's, um, they need to be there. They need to start taking care of their own well-being. I think have to adjust to start to suit that. Some of the funding that's coming down has been wonderful. You know, more funding for social workers, for school counsellors, for school nurses. Mm-hmm. Again, money to support the students if they need it. But I think there will be a ripple effect and we'll start to see more attention given to educators themselves. Yeah. And of course, we continue to hear about investments made in PD, especially this year. But have you seen at BTS Spark, have you seen an increase in interest in your program. I'm curious about that. And if you anticipate that will continue. When I think of BTS Spark, it seems like it's very similar to an insurance company offering an incentive 
for wellness programs. When you think about people earning, you know, they go run, they track the running and they're getting reduced rate. It seems like that's something that would be very similar to what you would offer in terms of the health and well-being of these leaders. Well, it's certainly a preventative measure. One, I think it can be a reactive measure because, you know, people are stressed and they are suffering, so they need to be attended to. But I think it can also, as you were saying, be a preventative measure. Mm -hmm. If you start to develop these understandings and mindsets, you are able to take control of your mental health better. You're able to make decisions around that better. Um, You're able to develop teams of support better um, as well. You're also able to develop more of the decision-making skills so that you're not thrown back into these situations where the stress becomes overwhelming. Right. So I think we are moving in that direction. You know, just the focus on the whole child, the focus on the whole learner, the focus on the whole educator is growing. And as I was saying before, the biggest interest we've got at the moment on the Spark is around well-being. And in fact, this week, we have an article out in EdWeek this week, which really focuses on the work as well. If anyone knows Peter, it's called Finding Common Ground, so it's under his column, but the article is called Let's Not Forget the Effect the Pandemic Has Had on Our Teachers and Our School Leaders, and talks directly to this point, and then starts talking about some of that ESSA funding coming down, and granted, most of it is directed towards learning loss or student well-being, but There's a lot of it as well, which is directed towards professional development of leaders. Mm -hmm. So we've had a monthly focus this month on well-being, one, because it's such a timely topic and unfortunately a needed topic. But I guess I can see this work growing. You know, I would love to be in a place in five years where we don't need to have courses around well-being, whether it be for students or whether it be for teachers or leaders. You know, it'd be lovely to that the systems that we develop tend to be self-helping um, and supportive. And so, you know, when I was talking about whole child um, in the last interview we did, it'd be great that we don't have to keep on talking about it and that schools just are friendly, accepting, learner-centred places of learning that take into account the social, the emotional, the mental, the physical, as well as the cognitive. And it would be great in five years if we're not having to call out that we need to address the mental health of educators and school leaders because the system hopefully will have come up to speed and will start taking care of their key stakeholders. Yeah, I love that goal. Let's hope that's the case in five, 10 years, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, Sean. What final advice do you have for our listeners today? I mean, this is a bit of a sad topic right now because we're in a pretty <laughs> dire state. Anything we can uplift us at the end? Again, maybe it's me, but I'm foolishly optimistic. I see the yeah. positive in all of this. Like we've gone through one of the most traumatic years that most of us have experienced, you know, some far more than others. Mm-hmm. But we're, we're coming out of it with a better understanding and appreciation that our emotions and our health and our mental health and our relationships and our connections matter. And so I think we've actually turned the corner in education about changing our mindset about what education is. Mm-hmm. Because it's not just scantron tests and it's not just academic results. It's about developing people who are going to be successful in their lives and successful in society. I think the positives I would take out of it is we're coming to an understanding not only in education, but I think in our society, that well-being is 
fundamental, that well-being is foundational. And if we don't take care of our own well-being and the well-being of our schools, then it makes the rest of what we do very difficult to do. Absolutely. I agree. I love that perspective. That's a good positive note to end on. (laughs) Where can our listeners learn more about you and BTS Spark? The first shouting I will give is we actually have a webinar coming up. We're doing a summer series of webinars starting in June. And the first one you won't be surprised to hear is on well-being. If people go to bit.ly slash BTS Spark Wellbeing, they can get information. They can also follow us on Twitter at BTS Spark US or at BTS Spark CAN for Canada or our website, which is bts.com slash spark. The webinar, by the way, should be a fun it's a chat discussion. Um, we've got people that your listeners probably have heard of. We've got Eva talking to them with Andy Hargraves, his colleague, Dennis Shirley. The two of them are writing a book for ASCD on well-being. We have Tara O'Brien, who's been leading our well-being work in Canada, that we've talked about. And we've also got um, Dr. Josh Garcia, who's the new superintendent over in Tacoma Schools in Washington. And he's also been a big champion of the whole child approach that they've been doing in Tacoma and strong advocate of making sure that mental health and well-being are not only for students, but also for educators across the district. So that should be fun. That sounds like fun. I, we will definitely include all those links in the show notes and I encourage our oh, listeners to attend those. I will try to attend. That sounds great. Oh, it's free by the way as well. Perfect. Good. Even better. Well, thank you, Sean. It's so great to have you on the show. I hope to have you back soon. And yeah, thank you again. Have a wonderful day. Appreciate it. Will do. Thanks very much. Yes. And Build Momentum listeners, don't forget to grab my free guide to creating a killer case study, even if you don't have data. Again, that's available at casestudy.swpr-group.com. casestudy.swpr-group.com. Thanks so much for tuning in today. And if you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and write us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever platform you choose to listen. We will be back with another episode of Build Momentum next week. Thanks so much and have a fantastic day.